Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Watch Dogs Bark. My name is Drew. I am your host, and I consider myself a watchdog. This is episode 22. And obviously, <laughs> this episode's going to mostly be about the biggest news story worldwide right now, and that is the indictment of Donald J. Trump. Yes, it's true. Donald Trump has been indicted. Indicted by the grand jury of 23 people from New York City. A city that has roughly uh, 16, 17% Republicans or conservatives. Yeah. Uh, now, Alvin Bragg was the person that got him indicted. And Alvin Bragg is really kind of a political animal. So despite many, many people on both sides of the aisle saying this wasn't worth it, and this was probably one of the weakest of the three cases against Donald Trump, he went for it anyway, because really, there's no downside for him to indict Donald Trump. Uh, and that is in the short term and probably in the long term. You see, Alvin Bragg will now go down in history as the only prosecutor to ever indict a former president of the United States. Every history book, every law class, every government class, all will now have Alvin Bragg as part of their curriculum. So no wonder he decided to get this indictment to move through. This indictment basically is yet further proof of the dual system of justice we have here in the United States. Remember James Comey decided not to prosecute Hillary Clinton, although what she did was far worse than what Donald Trump did. She paid a million dollars to Christopher Steele for his dossier on Trump that now has been completely debunked, by the way. I don't know if you know this or not, but the FBI offered Christopher Steele $1 million if he could prove anything in his dossier. And he could not. So Hillary Clinton paid that million dollars out of campaign funds. Campaign funds used for opposition research, fallacious as it was, against Donald Trump. And you remember, James Comey said no prosecutor would indict or make charges on such offenses. Well, guess what? One did, and his name is Alvin Bragg. Now, also, I think it's important to point out Alvin Bragg was raised in Harlem at a time when police officers were racist and justice was far more rare than it is today. So I'm sure that there's an element to what Alvin Bragg is doing right now and maybe a way to punish a white president. I don't know. Also, all in the name of equity... Alvin Bragg has reduced 52% of felony cases to misdemeanors, including rapes, murders, armed robberies, and other violent crimes. Also, 49% of his cases have been overturned in appeals. Do you remember the bodega, or as Jill Biden likes to call them, bogada? <laughs> remember the bodega owner? Jose Alba, who stabbed an attacker in self-defense. Alvin Bragg charged him with murder. He was later released by the courts after he spent a short time in Rikers Island 
because he could not post the $250,000 bail. But his attacker had a rap sheet a mile long and had just got out of prison himself. Alvin Bragg has a horrible record as a prosecutor and is too woke to be an effective and fair prosecutor. But he will have his name written in history books from here on out. And to him, I believe that's probably all that matters. And to the left, he is already their hero. Okay, here's what you need to know about the charges. Um, Apparently, there are going to be multiple charges, as many as 34, the New York DA says. Uh Uh-huh, I'll be interested to see how that works. But they're primarily focused on the 130000 that Trump advisor and lawyer Michael Cohn paid to Stormy Daniels and had her sign an NDA agreement to remain silent about the alleged affair that happened between her and Trump back in uh, 2008. That's a while ago. Okay, both Trump and Daniels deny the affair ever happened. Uh, And Daniels even signed a written statement saying that it never happened. So I I don't know how this is going to go forward, but here's what I see as Alvin Bragg's biggest obstacles. You see, the statute of limitations is only two years at both the state and federal levels for this particular charge, if it has to do with campaign finance and repayment of the 130000 to Stormy Daniels, which Donald Trump said he never made in his campaign. And team never said he never made, and Stormy Daniels said she got it from Michael Cohn. So that's really all that there is there. So there's really nothing there. But let's just say it's real, okay? The the statute of limitations is two years, and the payment made by Cohn to Daniels was in 2016. That's seven years ago, folks. In case you can't add. <laughs> Uh, The second obstacle is turning a misdemeanor into a felony. And the third is bootstrapping somehow a federal misdemeanor to a state felony. So Alvin Bragg has the authority and jurisdiction to prosecute. Uh, This has never been done before. And I'll be interested to see what the charges are and if this case is not thrown out before it even starts. Although, (laughs) sadly, I hear the judge, who has been in charge of numerous fraud cases against the Trump organization, has been assigned, and I put that in quotes, to this case. So I think it's more likely than not this case will actually go to trial. Then the other other challenge for Trump's defense team is to find a jury of his peers uh, that will not be a a bias against Trump. Uh, That's going to be very difficult to do in Manhattan because uh, there's hardly any conservatives or Trump supporters living in Manhattan. Remember, I said it's like 16 percent or something like that. I'm guessing the defense team will ask for a change of venue and probably move it either to Long Island or Staten Island. And either of those would be much better than Manhattan. All right. Now, to the left. All of this does not matter. They are literally wetting themselves over the indictment alone. I mean, listen to the audience when Stephen Colbert announces the indictment. 
still ate ice cream out of a baseball helmet. Why? Oh, just a little something we're celebrating today because literally three minutes before I walked out on the stage here, the New York Times reported a New York grand jury voted to indict former president Donald J. Trump. saying Merry Christmas again. <laughs> then let's listen to the um, panel of the stupidest people on the earth, <laughs> the panel on The View, as they comment on it. The twice impeached, one term, once indicted, but who's counting? <laughs> Former president is reportedly facing more than 30, count them, criminal charges. So... How do we feel about this unprecedented moment in American history? I called it. Did you? We feel good. <laughs> Begging for applause. Uh -huh. I said kosher. he would be <laughs> held criminally responsible because no one is above the law. He would be at the very least charged. He not only has the New York case, he has the Georgia case. He has the, the Department of Justice cases. There are two or three of them there. I mean, you can't commit so many crimes and think that you are above the law, even if you are the president. So no one is above the law, except Democrats, because I'm telling you, Democrats have committed a lot more crimes like this, and they have never been charged. I mentioned before Hillary Clinton Others are the Biden family business. I think that's hopefully eventually going to end up in the courts or at least in front of the Senate or House Judiciary Committee after Joe Biden leaves office. So you see, it really doesn't matter that the charges probably won't stick or they probably will be overturned in appeal. It only matters that the left finally gets their mug shot. That's what they've always wanted. They really wanted a picture of him in handcuffs or a perp walk, but the Secret Service has nixed both of those because of security concerns. What they don't know is that Trump will probably use his mug shot in his campaign posters and t-shirts and hats uh, or in mugs and, you know, all the other things because his diehard supporters will embrace this like they did when Hillary said that they're all a bag of deplorables. I've seen so many t-shirts of people saying proud deplorable and different things like that. So uh, also, my guess is that Trump will be dressed in a crisp, clean suit with the red tie and smile for his mugshot. Just you watch. Speaking of dual systems of justice, have you ever heard the expression, show me the man and I'll show you the crime? This basically means show me who you want to go after 
and will find the crime to convict them. That's basically what's happening right now. The left hates Donald Trump, and they don't even know why, honestly. I, I've told you why in other podcasts uh, that Donald Trump represents the biggest threat to world governance and national pride and uh, the U.S. getting back to its strong leadership position in the world. So, of course, the globalists want him gone. This expression, show me the man and I'll show you the crime, came from one of the most brutal police chiefs under Joseph Stalin. His name was Lavrenti Barrier, and he was responsible for the death of 22,000 Polish soldiers. And by the way, that was about my fourth take of trying to say Polish soldiers. See, I can't even say it again. Polish soldiers. Anyway, uh, this happened in 1939 in the Russian invasion of Poland. And he is also responsible for numerous other deaths at the orders of Stalin. That was the type of justice they used against their enemies in a communist country. Is this the type of justice we want in our country? Prosecute or destroy those who just disagree with us? Manipulate the system like Bragg is doing in New York right now to go after his opposition? Isn't that really election interference? We really do have a dual system of justice. Remember, James Comey decided not to charge Hillary Clinton. But the left has three simultaneous investigations going after Donald Trump right now. Alvin Bragg's, the one in Georgia, the documents, and um, what's the other? Oh, January 6th, of course. Oh, by incidentally, <laughs> after Joseph Stalin died in March of 1953, for a brief time, Barrier actually took his place. But in a coup d'etat led by Nikita Khrushchev, he was removed in June of that year. He was also put on trial for treason and was executed in December of 1953. After his death, it was revealed that he was a serial rapist and killer. Uh, he was actually, people that worked with him actually revealed that he would drive around in a limousine and point out young, beautiful girls he liked. Then they were brought back to his house and fed an elegant meal and wined and dined. Then he took them into his soundproof office and raped them. After he was done with them, the guards on their way out would hand them a bouquet of flowers. And this was considered a sign of consent. Some refused those flowers or spoke out about their rapes publicly, and they were found dead shortly after. Nice guy, huh? This is the guy that wrote that expression. Show me the man, and I'll show you the crime. Is that the kind of example we really want to set here in this country? Is that the kind of justice we really want in our country? I pray not. And just to show you, things haven't changed much in the uh, Russian leadership, uh, except for Mikhail Gorbachev, who worked with uh, Ronald Reagan to get rid of communism. Um, it is now known 
that Russian soldiers have been kidnapping Ukrainian children, taking them to Russia and having Russian families raise them as Russians. So, Putin has been officially accused of war crimes by the International Tribunal, so we'll see how that goes. And I know I do have a couple of listeners in Russia. I can see that with my um, app on um, Podbean. (laughs) Uh, Just to let you know, we have nothing against Russian people. As a matter of fact, I have kind of a weakness for Russian women. (laughs) I've dated three of them. Uh, I really like how Russians are very straightforward and don't play games, and you always know where you stand with Russian women. Oh, and just to clarify, I also have Russian friends, quite a few of them, and I don't want my female Russian friends to think that I was saying I dated them. My friends, Vera, Yelena, <laughs> you know who you are. Anyway, um, yes, that is my experience with Russian people. I think they're amazing people. We just have a problem with the government. And as I said before, it really kind of goes for all people and all countries. When we badmouth and, and uh, talk down about a certain country, we're never talking about the citizens. We're talking about the governments and the way they're ran. And I'm sure a lot of people around the earth think that our government is corrupt and bad. And as a matter of fact, I know there's a lot of people in this country, myself included, that believe that there's a lot of corruption and problems with even our government. So I hope when other people think about Americans, they're thinking good about the American people and they only have a problem with the government. Okay, one fun thing I want to talk about, and I told, I think, in another podcast that I have many varied interests uh, and hobbies and, you know, likes. One of them is I'm an amateur astronomer, and I am just blown away by what we're discovering with the James Webb Telescope. As a matter of fact, there is a scientist that basically explains what is happening because they are finding stuff they did not expect to find with the James Webb Telescope. Listen to this. That's the problem. The James Webb Space Telescope is upsetting the apple cart. All of a sudden we realize that we may have to rewrite all the textbooks about the beginning of the universe. Now, it takes many billions of years to create a galaxy like the Milky Way galaxy with 100 billion stars, many billions of years old. But the James Webb Telescope has identified six galaxies that exist half a billion years after the Big Bang that are up to 10 times bigger than the Milky Way galaxy. That shouldn't happen. There should not be primordial galaxies that are bigger than the Milky Way galaxy that are only half a billion years old. Something is wrong. We may have to revise our theory of the creation of the universe. Mind blown. I love this. That's why I love astronomy. When things literally blow my mind, I'm fascinated by them and want to go do more research. And scientists have actually used new terminology to describe these supergiant galaxies because we know that 
Pretty much at the center of almost every galaxy is a black hole. So now that, you know, scientists have used terminology like spaghettification and bombogenesis, which is more used in meteorology, uh, but also can, can talk about uh, supernovas. But one of my favorites that's being used now is ultra gargantuan supermassive black holes. I heard that recently and I thought that was fantastic. There's so much of this universe we still don't know. And I'm so excited for the next, I don't know, 20, 30, 40 years, I think I probably have left, that I get to be here when they discover it. And I think the James Webb Telescope is going to bring about a lot of those new discoveries that will again and again blow my mind. My friends, what is happening on our southern border is reaching a critical mass or tipping point. And our Secretary of DHS, or Department of Homeland Security, Alejandro Mayorkas, is either completely inept or doing all of this on purpose at the instruction of this administration. Recently, he was in front of the Senate Judiciary Committee and listen to what Senator Ted Cruz talked to him about. Uh, in back of Ted Cruz was this picture of these different wristbands that the migrants wear when they show up to the border and claim asylum. What are these wristbands? I don't know what they are. You Senator. don't know what they are. Mr. Secretary, you have just testified to the American people you're incompetent at your job. The drug cartels, every color corresponds to how many thousands of dollars they owe the cartels. You've turned these cartels into multi-billion dollar criminal organizations. And these are modern day leg irons because these are children being sold into sex slavery. And you don't even know what they are. That is astonishing. Now, I'm sorry, Secretary Mayorkas, but I don't believe you don't know what those wristbands are. I believe you're well aware of what those wristbands are. Those wristbands, depending on the color, uh, they basically signify which cartel the people owe money to. And we are now apprehending people from all over the world, including about 1,100, no, 1,700, sorry, 1,700 Chinese nationals have come across our border illegally. And so many are being apprehended now. Estimates predict that by the end of 2023, 7 million will have been apprehended since the time Joe Biden took office. Now, let's just say a modest assumption is that for every one that has been apprehended, one escapes or one was not apprehended. Do you realize that's 14 million people that have come across our southern border? 14 million. You know, the, I, I, I pointed out in a previous podcast that you know, national estimates are 11 million illegal immigrants are in this country. Well, that was a number in 
2006. Imagine how many illegal immigrants are really in our country. And imagine how many want to do us harm. Donald Trump was right in his speech when many people accused him of saying all immigrants are rapists and murderers and all that. That wasn't true. What Donald Trump said was there are rapists and murderers and child molesters in the groups that are coming through. This is absolutely true. Other countries around the world are playing the U.S. for fools. They're emptying their prisons and their mental asylums, and they're giving, they're sending the worst. Now, there are still some good people coming across, absolutely, and they're looking for a better life, but we're not vetting any of them, any of them. And during the pandemic, They weren't required to have the shot. They weren't required to wear masks. They weren't required to be quarantined. So what is really being allowed into our country? I would guess there's probably hundreds of terrorists. As a matter of fact, the latest estimate is 98. 98 people on the terrorist watch list have been apprehended by the Border Patrol. And again, let's go to that conservative estimate. For every one they apprehend, one wasn't apprehended. So at least, I would say, a hundred terrorists have come in through our southern border. My friends, I'm afraid we're going to see another event as horrific, if not worse, than 9-11, because this administration wants open borders. This administration wants chaos, wants unrest, wants anarchy, because this administration is bought and paid for. As I've said in the past, and you can go listen to my past podcasts, especially the ones that say, Biden family business, the Biden family has been paid millions by the Chinese government. Oh, and let's just discuss really quickly what the Chinese government got in return. A lot of people say, well, what did the Chinese government get in return? Um, I don't know. Maybe a um, secure U.S. air base in Bagram in Afghanistan 100 miles away from where China makes its nuclear weapons? That might be one thing they got. Or, or wait, it could be $84 billion of U.S. military equipment. And I heard the generals and the Secretary of Defense and all those people say that all of these Planes and helicopters and vehicles were dismantled and made inoperable so that they can't use them. Well, guess what? Turns out the Afghanistans have already rebuilt a lot of the equipment and made it operational. Of course, with the help of 
Chinese soldiers and the CCP representatives that most likely now occupy the Bagram Air Base. What else did China get for all that money sent to the Biden? Well, probably it had something to do with that gigantic balloon floating over our country and all of the pictures and intelligence that they gathered while that balloon was flying over our country for a week. Yeah, I'd say that's a couple things that China has gotten in return for the millions of dollars that they've given to the Biden family. I'd say China has made out like bandits with all that they have gotten in return for the millions they gave to the Biden family. All righty, there's one other thing I really wanted to get to, but I don't have time in this podcast. So you'll have to tune in on Thursday, but I will give you a hint. I think I've discovered where this all began. I read a book called The Creature from Jekyll Island. The author's name, uh, let's see, G. Edward Griffin. Now, I know that world domination and, and uh, world conquering has been a goal of many people in history, but what we're experiencing right now, I believe, was planned in 1910. That's the teaser I'm going to give you in the homework assignment you have until our next podcast on Thursday. And by the way, if you agree or disagree with anything I talked about in this podcast, don't hesitate to write me, drew at thewatchdogsbark.com. All right. And as I always like to do, I want to leave you on a positive note. This time, I want to leave you with two quotes from Tony Robbins. He's another one of my favorite motivational speakers. Uh, one of the, and these are both, by the way, about gratitude and their power. The first one says, I believe the ultimate path to enlightenment is the cultivation of gratitude. When you're grateful, fear disappears. When you're grateful, lack disappears. When you feel a sense that life is uniquely blessed, but at the same time, you feel like you're part of everything that exists and you know that you are not the source of it, in that state, you show up differently for people around you. Just walking around, you vibrate. Think about that. And the second one is, the third element of success is your state. You must replace a default state of pessimism and anger with one of determination, of will, of generosity, of curiosity, of gratitude. The more we can put ourselves in such beautiful states rather than suffering states, the more they become habits of being, and we end up making better decisions. Think about those two quotes. And, in the meantime, create an amazing day. 